My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy. My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be a toilet. And this is Burn Noticed, but it is not quite a weekly recap of the television USA masterpiece Burn Notice. It is a Burn Notice adjacent thing. It is a burn bonus. It's a burn bonus. We watched the the fall of Sam Axe. Yep, the the TV movie. And we're going to talk about it. Yeah, with the TV movie that came out in 2011, um, but like was aired chronologically right after season four ended. So it felt like the right time to do that. I do want to shout out um, Larry and Olivia for recommending specifically that we watch The Fall of Sam Axe, which we were always going to do. But, you know, I like like shouting out our listeners. And I always, yeah, I always want to shout out Larry. Hi, Larry. Yeah, Larry, Larry, Larry's a real one. The Fall of Sam Axe was written by Matt Nix, but his longtime assistant, Greg Hart, got a story credit, which I thought was sweet. Um, Greg Hart has gone on to get two additional writing credits, an episode of Complications, and which is a show that we'll watch next season for the, the kind of bonus episode that we do because complications is another Matt Nix joint. Um, but, but Greg Hart has also more recently written two episodes of mega mind fully charged. So, um, he also has a writing credit on the good guys, which we'll talk about. Yeah. Which we'll talk about in a little while. Um, Yeah. In a a later bonus episode. I don't know if I, I haven't planned if I'm going to do them like week after week or try to like spread them out. So there's like something in the timelines, like once a month, but who knows? Let's talk about the worst case scenario of what happens when you go out with a lady and then, uh uh-oh, it turns out she's the Admiral's wife. Oh my God. So (laughs) where should we start with this? Well, I would love to read a like grammatically nightmarish recap by KGF Vissers, who... keen-eared listeners may remember as a frequent recapper of Burn Notice on IMDb. Um, just as like, just to set the stage so you guys know what the movie's about if you didn't want to watch it. Because like, as per usual, this is a bonus episode. We're not going to do a traditional like recap, although we'll probably try to, to stick to it somewhat. Um, but yeah, I figured having an overarching understanding of the plot will be helpful when we mention specific parts that we liked, like uh, his fabulous blue pants, Bruce Campbell's fabulous blue pants. Or um, the fact that this was a pretty fun movie that I enjoyed a lot. <laughs> so anyways, KGF Vissers. According to KGF Vissers on IMDb, this movie is about, and again, I will not be correcting any grammar. I will just be reading it as written. As informal punishment for an unwitting affair with Admiral Gregory Maitland's adulterous wife, Sam Axe, a U.S. Navy commander, was sent to Colombia to observe the suspected rebel movement Espada Ardiente burning sword. Now he's under investigation for allegedly consorting with those alleged terrorists. He explains how he discovered that his Colombian army liaison Comandante Veracruz, uh, played by Pedro Pascal, was the real drug dealer's was the real drug dealer's cahoot who paled to framing acts and presumably innocent farmers for the bombing of an American-run Andes clinic. Sam escaped and tried to help the civilians and forces CIA observers to demand urgent help. He even found a trump card to avoid conviction for his illegal methods and a favorable discharge. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so basically to- yeah, that's basically, basically Sam Axe gets sent to Columbia as a punishment and he's down there to like take notes on a, a local terrorist group. But it turns out the local terrorist group is just a group of sad farmers and the militaries is the aggressors. And so he and the farmers take on the military in a backcountry romp road trip yeah. through Columbia. The and the framework of the movie is 
Sam Axe is like being interviewed after the fact of these events um, by the military, and he's like telling his story. So once again, Matt Nix just truly does not know how to do exposition without a voiceover. Without but a in voiceover. this case, instead of being a spy voiceover, it's Sam Axe retelling the story. And it's um, so much in- worse. Like, let me say really quickly, <laughs> I hate voiceover as a rule. Me too. Like, I hate voiceover. I'm okay with it in Burn Notice because like there's a conceit that it's mostly about giving spy tips. And sure. so like, that makes it work a little bit better, and there's not too much of it. There's not a lot of using voiceover to explain the plot, and and so you don't have to show it. Like, mm-hmm. whereas like this movie is full of that. It's full of like, yes, we'll have Bruce Campbell talk over some like montages in order to like move the plot along. But yeah, because like Matt so Nicks can't sh- not have a voiceover. <laughs> you truly can't. But I mean, like the thing is that like, he can, because like most of his other shows don't have voiceover, but he, I feel like he thinks that voiceover is crucial to the experience of Burn Notice. <laughs> can I say, like hating the fact that voiceover is used to tell uh, stories is also a thing that annoyed me about Outlander. Oh yeah. The, thankfully Outlander like cools it a little bit on yeah. the voiceover as it goes on. Like you might've even started noticing that, yeah, but no, I think I it's yeah. just like, because Donna has a hard on for her own prose and is like, when there's not a natural, because it's a first person novel. And anytime you adapt a first person novel, it's sometimes a little bit hard to translate, like getting so much internal monologuing to the screen without literally just doing internal monologuing. Uh, and it, I think because of that and the fact that Donna Galbadon is like on the show, um, I imagine that there has been pressure to keep her prosen. Oh, definitely. Um, so I thought when the first thing we could do is just sort of go through the characters and explain who they are and our impressions of them. So Sam Axe, played by Bruce Campbell, our buddy, our big buddy boy, uh, not actually that big. He seems like he lost weight for this role. Oh, no. Yeah. He's like, they need him to look younger. Mm-hmm. So they have like dyed his hair and he's lost some weight so he can look a little bit more like he looked in 2005. Which but is like, funny because it's only because 2005 is canonically only like two years before Burn Notice starts. Yeah. So it's not like he's that much younger. Um, no, yeah. But like he needs to look. And also like he's like the hero of this. Like I'm curious about the like the birth of this. Like why this exists. I'm also curious. The only and thing I'm we know is that. If it's like the... throwing a bone to Bruce Campbell. Because like he's kind of during the show been a little bit like underutilized sir yeah season four definitely underutilized bruce campbell so all i know from uh the wikipedia is that the film was announced in the summer of 2010 at the annual san diego comic-con and was later revealed that it would see serve as a lead-in to the show's fifth season so that's all i know it was announced at comic-con as a lead-in to the fifth season but it doesn't seem like there's yeah. any particular whatever. Ooh, this is cute. Uh, the DVD release includes special features, a mockumentary titled The Fall of Jeffrey Donovan, audio commentary, and deleted scenes. I want to see the mockumentary titled The Fall of Jeffrey Donovan. Exactly. Hang on. Because Jeffrey can Donovan we, can we directed this. He did. It was directed by Jay Don, our boy, who also uh, has a cameo that I will definitely be bringing we, up. We will, we will talk about the cameo. But, like, yeah. I will say, not a fan of his directing in this. <laughs> I mean, he was like a mediocre director at best. I, I was going to say, like, I was trying to pay attention, but I was watching this with Quinn. Um, and so we were just like kind of enjoying the very banal nature of this movie. Um, and I didn't it's really pay attention banal. to directing all that much. Um, yeah, no, no, but the thing, he is trying 
like Jeffrey Donovan's trying. There's so much slow motion in this. Oh my gosh, there is a three minute video of the fall of Jeffrey Donovan that I found on an EW.com article. Do you want me to send it to you so we can watch it? Oh, we yeah, no, definitely send it to us. Send it to me. Jeffrey's crazy. Jeffrey's crazy. I'd love to go home. So if, if there's someone we could get in touch with, I don't know if, if there's an embassy here. Well, <laughs> Alright, I've watched the clip. <laughs> right. I've also watched it, which then reveals at the end that there's an extended cut of the fall of Sam Max on the DVD. Of course there is. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we just watched this clip from the DVD, The Fall of Jeffrey Donovan. There was not as much Jeffrey Donovan in it as I had hoped, no, but there was but interviews I mean, with like, all of his castmates. There's more of it. This isn't the full thing. It's just like a clip from it. Got it. Um, I'll try to find the full version. We could. I don't or know. Like, I enjoyed it. See, I just I like how much they enjoy each like, other. It was weird that the joke was, hey, Jeffrey Donovan's really abusive. <laughs> Like, but, but not, like, like, that's the kind of joke that these idiots, like, would find but, like, funny because, it's like, they're all That's the thing that so... they find funny is, like, what if it's funny I if Jeffrey it's... Donovan was physically <laughs> abusive and all of these people have PTSD? Like, there's not I actually, like, a lot them... of jokes there. No, there like, weren't. It's not, like, jokes. It's just, like, wouldn't it be funny if all these people are, like, physically afraid of their lives? Like, and I think probably what it funny. comes from is the fact that it seems like Burn Notice is a very chill place to be and like they're all still friends and like they it seems like it was a good group of people that really enjoyed working together like based on especially on the fact that so many of them have like kept in touch and like you know are still talking about the show and like all the writers are still working together and I think probably for them like it's almost in their mind like a satire of the fact that like other places is much worse and so what if ours was like that haha wouldn't it be funny if our good boy Jeffrey was mean and they didn't think about it any deeper than that. I'm not like excusing it. I think more it's like it very much shows how probably boring it was just because like everyone had a good time. Like they were just like having a fun time in Columbia. Yeah. Oh, no, totally. But it's just like, yeah, it was like weird. I thought there would be more jokes in it. I don't know why I thought there would be more jokes in it. I thought it would be funnier. Anyway. Yeah. I don't but, know. Yeah. I enjoy Jeffrey Donovan. Um, I enjoy Jeffrey I... Donovan. <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy him as an actor. Again, as a director, I'm not that impressed. Like I said, there's a lot of like slow motion, but he's not good at framing slow motion. Like the thing about slow motion is that framing becomes more important because we're staring at the frame longer. Mm-hmm. And so like it's always like I'm gonna do a slow motion bit, but like in a place where like a character is badly framed. You would think I get why Jeffrey Donovan is directing it. Like it makes sense. Like it makes the product a little bit worse. Like, the thing about this movie is that, like, it doesn't feel like a bunch of professionals made a movie. It feels like a bunch of friends made a movie. That's like, 100% what it does it feel like. It feels like, you know what it feels like? What? It feels like Mindhunter, or whatever the fuck the thing that your brother made was called. Oh, Manhunter. I was like, Manhunter. Mindhunter? No, Mindhunter feels is like, a very good television show by yeah, David Fincher. it feels Fincher. like Manhunter. <laughs> It, feels it like, does have Manhunter vibes. It's like, let's get a bunch of people that we like and go to like the wilderness and make a movie, guys. The the thing that I think is most endearing about it is it's got real, let's make a movie vibes. Every, yeah. Like, I, and no you know what? Involved. I kind of love that about it. Like, I like I that like it was the, a little unpolished. 
I like that okay. Like, it made it more endearing and less entertaining. That's fair. I will also say, like, I watched it, like, proper with somebody. Like, I didn't just, like, watch it on my computer like I normally watch these sorts of things. And, like, it's it's really true that, like, movies and TV are generally, especially things that are not as good, are better with people around. And, like, Quinn and I did have a good time because, like, neither of us were expecting truly anything. And, you know, it was fine. It was fun. There was some stuff to like. There was some stuff to be like, eh. But, like, overall, it was a diverting evening to spend I together. will say, um, like, and Jeffrey that Donovan, not a great director. But he's lucky that they are in the mountains of Colombia, which is ice. I don't know if they're actually there. I think they're on the location. Yeah, it was... It, yeah, they, they filmed in Bogota. And, like, so, like, in Bogota, and, like, the mountains look great. Yeah, and so it's like, a beautiful setting. It's a beautiful setting, and so, like, it gets to look a little bit nicer than Burn Notice normally looks, not because they're filming better, but just because the location is better. Like, it's filmed just like Burn Notice, but, like, occasionally they can go a little bit wider and, like, get a mm-hmm. vista. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was fine. All right, so let's, I want to keep going with characters. So we also had Amanda Maples. Do you remember which character is Amanda Maples? Well, like, um, I, well, yeah, I think she's the, do we want to talk about, like, Sam Axe's character in this. Oh. Do we need to? I mean, I think it's interesting. Well, yeah, it's about Sam Axe. Like, how do we feel about this as a piece of art about Sam Axe? I learned nothing about him. No. Uh, Was a big takeaway. No, that's the thing. (laughs) I almost kind of wanted there to be, like, more of an explicitly kind of unreliable narrator about it. Because, like, it's the most hagiographic story you could tell. Like, Sam Axe never does anything wrong in this ever. Like, even when he's going against the U.S. military, he's doing it because he's obviously in the right. Like, this is not a person who ever makes mistakes ever. Like, he actually doesn't feel that much like Sam Axe. I mean, he kind of feels like Sam Axe. But, like, even more, he's not doing, like, Sam Axe. He's doing Michael Weston. Because, like, it's actually very clear watching this what Matt Nix and Co.'s version of good masculinity is. Which is, like, self-sacrificing and with a good, like, a rugged bedside manner. But, like, you know, a little bit of a ladies' man or not. But, like, very like, competent and capable and, like, like violent, but he doesn't like it. Like, the thing that I got from watching this more than anything was, like, that the vision of masculinity that they like the most. And it's all, like, bundled up in Sam Axe, who, and it's it's funny because the, the episode starts with him doing a thing that's, like, theoretically lecherous, mm-hmm. but, like, he is, like, like still like the sweetest boy about it like he's like sleeping with the admiral's wife but he doesn't know it's the admiral's wife and the second that he knows it's the admiral's wife he feels so remorseful and he, and bad and he's trying to get out but like you know yeah like an, an he uncomplicated is, hero who will break the rules hero. but like, like he's a neutral good character so he's not lawful he will break the law but yeah. it's always in service of good it's an uncomplicated moral compass like there's exactly. a right and a wrong decision and he always makes the right one he's Which like the, the worst version of superhero or of superman he's the worst version of superman kind of masculinity no see oh, actually basically that's a 
interesting take because I disagree with that. I think that's exactly what you want from Superman. Well, but that's but that's boring as somebody who just always makes the right choice. And it's well, like no, there's always I mean, two like, choices. One is like, right, one is wrong. Well, yeah, but like the thing is that like actually we'll talk about this in a later episode i think matt nix is really good at writing superheroes and like he's actually writing superman in this he is making sam axe superman and like bruce campbell is cuts a very superman figure but like it's this thing of like he is just like a good kind decent person who like can do no wrong but it's interesting because like it starts with him sleeping with the admiral's wife but he can't just like be like a lech like he's not star lord from guardians of the galaxy even though like that's kind of what you want for the that's what the character on paper is like on paper like he's supposed to be like a ladies man and kind of like vaguely scummy but like that's mm-hmm. not sam axe that's not what like the the movie is positive yeah, he's, he's too duty bound he's, he's too incredibly duty bound and like it's, and it's so interesting to me that, like, that is the thing that they want to sell with, like, a Sam Axe movie. Like, a Sam Axe movie isn't about, like, this ladies' man who goes around, like, sleeping around and getting into scrapes. It's about, like, the biggest Boy Scout that they're ever, that ever Boy Scouted, who is, like, too good even for the U.S. military. Like, which I think is an interesting choice. I don't know what I was expecting from this movie, but, like, I don't know if I was expecting him to be so white bread. Yeah, I was also a little disappointed in that. Like, it's fine, you know, it's a it's a TV movie. It takes place before Burn Notice. It's lightly canonized. But, like, it was, I am... The thing that I missed about what I like about Burn Notice is that sometimes decisions aren't this clean cut and that a lot of times like them fucking up is what leads to the more interesting solutions later on. But it was like Sam just makes good decisions and sometimes bad things come of them, but he just makes a series of good decisions in an uncomplicated way. And then at the end, he low-key blackmails the U.S. government into letting him go. Exactly. And that's that's a good decision. The black, di- but the 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 black uh, the blackmail is the only sort of morally questionable bit of it. But like, it's not we even, are really. He's it's like, not, but like, wow, that's a lot. That's that's a decision to make. Actually, like again, Bree, it's not blackmail. It's gray mail. Okay, I know he says it's gray mail, but it's absolute. How is it gray? Ma- it's blackmail. It's straight up. I will ruin you, or you let me go. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't quite know what the distinction is either, <laughs> but they made a point of saying that. But that's the thing is that he can't even blackmail. They have to say he's gray mailing because like he can't actually do a thing that's bad. And, like they need to like when it's if he's doing a thing that is actually potentially kind of morally bad, we have to like couch it, which is interesting. It was like, but it's fascinating to me that like, yeah, this is the Sam Axe story that they want to tell. It's like a Boy Scout story. I don't. And I don't know. Well, I think it's because, yeah, I think it's because like in I think in their minds, because morality is very uncomplicated in the Burnett's universe. Sam Axe is the angel on Michael's shoulder and Fiona is the devil. (laughs) And Michael Weston is supposed to be kind of this true neutral, the ability to like kind of go back and forth between like, yeah, I'll have some fun blowing stuff up with Fee, but I'll also listen to my better angels with Sam over here who's like duty, honor, the U.S. government. But it's also so interesting as a development from, like, Sam as the character when he started. Like, mm-hmm. it seems like Sam as 
a character at the beginning was supposed to be a little scummy, like I was saying. And, like, he's supposed to be, like, again, a, like a ladies' man. About, like, he's supposed to be roguish. I wonder how much of it we're supposed to interpret is Sam in retirement versus Sam on duty representing the U.S. government. Oh, I mean, that's definitely part of it. But, like, the weird thing is that, like, this movie is zero interest in playing him as a rogue. Like, I expected this movie to be, like, more, like, for him to be a little bit more Han Solo, and he was not. Although, like the film Solo, we did get, like, a needless explanation of a fake name. Of the name. Of the Chuck Finley name. Yeah. That was one of the, like... I think that might be the only piece of trivia that the the IMDb had for this. And it was like, did you know? I'm like, yeah, man. No one's watching the fall of Sam Axe out of context of Burn Notice. <laughs> like, this is very much a, it. You if you watch Burn Notice, you watch this movie. Otherwise, no thanks. Yeah. Unless, yeah, like, the only other reason you're watching, like, this movie is you're, like, a Pedro Pascal completionist. <laughs> which, yeah, but we'll, which, we'll let's, we should talk about part. Pedro Pascal for a second because I was watching the credits and his name popped up and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I know. And I'm, immediately I was like, oh, I, he's going to be the bad guy. He's going to be the bad guy immediately because like yeah. you don't cast Pedro Pascal to be like just your pal in Colombia. Like right. even at this rate in his career, he, he he's too high profile to just be like, just a guy helping Sam out doing and I'm trying to figure out how how high profile was Pedro Pascal at this point he he had worked he had been working for a while like he yeah. is he is somebody who had been in a decent amount of stuff like he had been in a lot of TV mostly um he had been doing he, he had been in Law and Order a couple of times he was in obviously Buffy he was in The Good Wife for he he, he was kind of Wait. I think he was on The Good Wife for a while was he on Buffy he was, on was the, Pedro Pascal on Buffy yeah he was in The Freshman he's holy like, shit he was in The Freshman I never yeah. I did not realize that until just now yep that's blowing my fucking mind yeah he was in touch by an angel like he he had been in a bunch of stuff no he, he's he like had definitely a, he had a recurring role on the good wife at this time so like yeah. he was somebody who was good enough to have a recurring role on a fairly high profile television show so like um, yeah he was definitely like someone who like you yeah and he'd like, he'd, like he'd made all of the law and order rounds he was on criminal intent he was on the original he was on criminal intent again as a different character apparently uh he was on svu um, he had been in the Wonder Woman pilot just before Fall of Sam Axe. Oh my goodness. So like, the Wonder Woman pilot. So yeah, he the was David he was Kelly certainly one? he's Oh my god. The yeah, he was Ed and Delicato. That's so ironic. <laughs> Cause he's in Wonder Woman. I know. It just he keeps getting pulled back to Wonder Woman. Yeah, twenty eleven was a big year for him. He was in a lot of stuff in twenty eleven, so I think he was yeah. like he was a thing. Uh, but yeah, he was enough of a thing that like I knew he wasn't gonna get the Justina Machado treatment. Yeah. Um, but, um how do you, what do you think of him in this? Like, he's good. Yeah, I think he's good. He's always good. You know? He's Patrick always good. Scott, I, you cast him, he does a good job. Like I, I think he was fairly unremarkable. I thought I liked that like they made the decision of the local terrorist group is actually just people trying to not live under the thumb of oppression and yeah. the government insisting like both the the government from Colombia and the government from the US being like, No, they're terrorists and like us finding out like, hey, maybe the CIA should get their fucking fingers out of South American countries. Um, was not explicit, but it was, there was tinges and I enjoyed that. But like, he didn't really have a character. He was like, we're going to go fight the terrorists. And then immediately you're like, oh no, he's the terrorist. And then he hunts them down for the whole movie. 
Yeah, he's <laughs> like so. He does good him. because he's Pedro Pascal, but the character of Comandante Veracruz is nothing. No, he's not. But yeah, I do enjoy. I enjoy watching Pedro Pascal. He's just very charismatic. He is. I enjoy looking at his face. So yeah. the other two main. So you don't like the Mandalorian. <laughs> I love the Mandalorian. I do wish I saw his face more often. Anytime I see it, I get happy. Love Daddy Mando. So other characters. So we've got Amanda Maples. Um, yeah, this is the woman. Name. It's an insane name. This, this is, is like the woman doctor because they. Run no, she's not doctors. even a doctor. She's a food aid worker. She's not a doctor. Oh. She's a food aid worker. That she says it a lot. There's only one right. doctor in the movie, and it's it's the guy who played the thief in Good Guys. Um, yeah. which you guys will hear about in our next episode. But yeah, no, Amanda Maples is a food aid worker. She's a jaded food aid worker who's been in a lot of war-torn, you know, countries and is very much like, there is no good in the world. Anytime I try to do good, a million people try to do bad. Everything sucks. Um, and you, Sam Axe, are are just a, a symbol of the suck that I know to be in the world. And then, of course, yeah. at the end, because she is the only... A woman who is not currently married to an admiral or teenager in the movie, but also has boobs. She is the one that Sam Axe gets some kisses from. Yeah, in such a like, which I did not enjoy. Yeah, it's tame, but it was like she's like. I mean, she's closer in age to him than I expected. She's she's forty three, and Bruce Campbell is sixty two. Okay, so she's twenty years younger than him, but that's the same distance. but that's still like oh, better than some places do it. But she was definitely too young for him. And oh, like immediately, young. like she's set up as like the sassy girl who hates him. And you're like, oh, okay, so she's going to kiss him. Great. Yeah. But that's the it's thing. Unearned that, like, entirely. Literally, like the thing about it is that this is such a Boy Scout movie. They kiss twice in the movie. And like, that is it. Like, there is not like, like, there's no one ever even thinks about having sex which i mean like there's not a lot of situations that they could but like it's so like 1950s chase like can i have a kiss ma'am i want to kiss now like (laughs) it's so like weird it felt so shoehorned in honestly it did and it like and it felt like it felt like we needed to give sam some kind of reward for getting everyone through this and his reward is a lady 20 years younger than him yeah but the thing is like kissing her not even like it's not like they're gonna date now yeah it's like not even that they're a couple or they're that that they're in love or anything and they don't like and not that they're like it felt very perfunctory like it's kiss time like yeah it's like such an old hollywood idea of like men and women in movies like you know they gotta kiss at the end because there's a man and a woman in a movie yeah it's a very paint by numbers like action movie it is so the next character we have is ben delaney whose name i would not have been able to tell you if you'd asked but he's the guy who is um played by ron rico lee who also plays a character in the good guys um so clearly matt nix enjoyed him i liked this guy I here's like what i'll too. say about these two characters the doctors and the doctor and the aid worker, like they're so hostile to Sam for fucking no reason. Like immediately Sam shows up and is like, Hey, we got to get you guys out of here. The terror, the, 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 the government wants to destroy your hospital. Like we've got to get you out of here to save people. And like immediately both of them are like, we can't move people. They're sick. They're in a hospital. And Sam's like, well, they could be dead. And in a smoldering remains of a hospital and they still won't be convinced. And then every single time they do something until like the last act, both the doctor and Amanda Maples are like, um, 
no, I don't believe you. I think that you're a bad guy and we're not going to do what you say. And it's like, why? And this is also a crutch of burn notice. Yeah. Like like, the clients will be, yes, the clients will be so like insistent that like, they're not in danger, even though they're like, honestly, it kind of felt like that teenage girl from season one. No, there was like, no, there's an episode of burn notice where there is a client that has a clinic and like, that's the Justina Machado episode, actually. No, oh, not fuck. the season one one, though. No, that, no, that I was talking about the teenage girl because I was comparing to oh. the worst character in Burn Notice. But yeah, no, the, no. the Justina Machado episode in season three, season four, yes. maybe. Um, yes. Where, yeah, her husband, her, her partner, boyfriend, who knows, runs like a clinic in a low income area and some gangs are mad at him. And so they're like constantly breaking windows and stuff. And everyone's like, hey close the clinic and he's like i can't there are sick people here and it's like all right yeah but there's also being bricks being thrown through the windows and like drive-by shootings trying to kill you i think maybe they will be healthier (laughs) if the clinic is shut and yes it's exactly that you are so right it's like literally the same plot i so i found that very frustrating yeah i kind of get like the idea that like you know he's from the u.s military and we should and should not be trusted. But that's not why they don't trust him. Like they believe him. Like they, they it's not that they say, I don't believe you. The government, like the, the troops have always been helpful to us. Like even when the teenage girl who everyone seems to implicitly trust because she's like a little rascal, but everyone's like, she's on the level. Even when she confirms it, they're still like so resistant to doing anything. So again, it's not like they're denying that this is happening. Even at least the teenage girl in season one was like, I don't think we're in danger. I'm sure it's fine. Like everyone's being dramatic. But in this one, they weren't even saying that. They're just like, no, we don't want to. But like, yeah. not because they didn't think that it was a real threat or whatever. Maybe that's what they believe, but that was never explicitly stated. They were just like, no, we don't want to listen to you. Who are, no. <laughs> like yeah, I refuse. I, I mean, like, yeah, I think they maybe like did not quite believe the threat. Slash, don't trust. But they him. didn't say that. Slash, like, there's like a a more immediate threat of some of these people possibly dying. I don't know. It'd be helpful if we knew what the people in the clinic had. Like, one of the girls has malaria. That's all we. One know. One of the girls has malaria. Like, we get that, and like that was helpful. That's specific. But yeah, as as per usual, Matt's Matt Nix's scripts lack specifics. It's all just very vague. Like, yeah. I don't want to give you details. I want to have sassy dialogue and move on. Oh, speaking of, my favorite line, Quinn and I's favorite line from the movie that Quinn laughed at for no joke 30 seconds was uh, a Sam Axe line, actually. Guns don't help people. People help people. Oh, my God. What was that? I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> it was, I don't even remember exactly. I think it was more about, I think it, it might have come up when he starts training the would-be terrorists, um, when he starts training the, the goat farmers for battle yeah. or something. Um, I don't, I don't actually remember. I just remember that line verbatim and Quinn laughing for truly 30 seconds. It like, had to pause the movie. You know what does help people though? Huh? Chainsaws. (gasps) Yes, there was a chainsaw moment where Bruce Campbell like throws a chainsaw off the side of a mountain down at Pedro Pascal's bad guys. Um, and I enjoyed that. Yeah. He like, he, he throws a chainsaw and then afterwards he says groovy. Like, oh, that's a thing of his too. I didn't. I've never seen. Yeah, any of no, those that's movies. like. Yeah, that, but like that's. It's a very like obvious like we're doing evil dead. Like it's not. It's like 
subtle. It's not subtle, but it is kind of subtle. Yeah, Qu- Quinn and I were both upset that the chainsaw didn't come back when he was riding the donkey, Chekhov's donkey. Um, right? Oh my god, no, that would have been great. <laughs> we were like, like, it would have been so good if it was like one hand had a gun, one hand had a chainsaw. So you have melee exactly. and long But distance. I mean, if you want that, you can watch Evil Dead. No, I uh, wanted it, but burn notice. But like, yeah, it was like a nice little nod to the fact that he, that's his most famous role. But yes, the doctors are fine. I like those actors, though. I do think both the actors who play the clinic people acquit themselves well in, again, very famous yeah, roles. I, I had no, I had no concerns with any of the performances. Like, you know, I thought they all did good. That's true. It was like, fun. I have seen episodes of Burn Notice where like the client, because the, the clinic people are the client. Yeah. Like, where the client is just, like, not played by anyone good. Like, there's episodes of Burn Notice with, like, not great actors. But, like, everyone in this movie is talented. Even if, Yeah, like, yeah, I, I thought they, they were good. Even if I don't think they're actually being given a lot of direction. I mean, it's Burn Notice, man. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, no one, no one's ever given a lot with Burn Notice, especially when Matt Nix is writing it. But yeah, they, they all yeah. were, I found them all very charismatic. I like the teenager as well, uh, Beatriz, who's, Beatriz. Um, who turns out to be the reason that like the terrorist group, the Flaming Sword exists in the first place. Like she made up a killed. terrorist group basically yeah that, and honestly very and she got like very defensive about them and like i like that i thought that she had a, she was my favorite character um and was kind of meant to be i think she was designed to be like the precocious kid oh character. no yeah like, but she i this thought is a character I her very that can compelling. go either way this is one of those totally. characters that's either like really cute or like the most annoying and I found her very fun. I liked her. I liked that she was scrappy. I liked that she was a fighter. I liked that she understood, like, what was going on and, like, that she she seemed to be an asset to everyone. And that she was like, no, we're going to fight back. Fuck everybody. Like, fuck you, Sam Axe. I'm going to do this. I Yeah, I thought she was fun. I didn't yeah. love that, like, we're taught, we're, like, we're constantly talking about her as, like, a child, as a teenager. But, like, her last scene, because she's the reason that Sam Axe gets his honorable discharge after all of this tomfoolery, um, is because she, her, she, her dad was a journalist. And so she took a bunch of pictures of what went down and, like, took it to the the newspaper um, under the threat of, like, if Sam Axe is not released, we're going to continue posting stuff about, like, the CIA bunker that we were all in. But her dress in that scene is like super low cut like it's there was super more titties cut. oh my god the titties it's i was super like low what cut. the fuck wardrobe is thing. this like i get that we're going from like her backwater like guerrilla warfare sort of outfit to like cute teenage girl but like holy shit guys here's the thing also here's what i'm trying to figure out how old is this actress uh so the actress let's see she was born in 1985 so like so she's yeah, definitely so like, not a teenager. She's, she's not point. actually a teenager, which is like no, yeah. Um, she, she which, she's like, like twenty five. She's then. like twenty five. Like the thing that's kind of weird about like the movie is that like she doesn't look that much younger than like the food aid worker. <laughs> yeah. And so like I mean, she, there's she this weird thing is. of like. There's like one there's like one attractive woman who's like supposed to be like the adult that Sam kisses. And there's like one attractive woman who's supposed to be like the child that he can be a father figure to. And like yeah, the, they the look kid that he like, takes to under his wing. Yeah, and they're they look roughly the same, like age wise. 
Yeah. And- yeah, that wasn't great. Did you know, though, that she has this she's she's in Bernetta. She's in Bernetta's proper. She's in an episode oh, of she? season five. Yeah, Ooh. she comes back in season five. So I, I just looked that up from from her. Wait, is she playing the same character? She is. She is playing Beatrice. Ooh, maybe that's why they cast her like a little bit older. Maybe. It's because like she has to play older later. That makes sense, actually. Um, I will say I agree. I did notice that dress and I was like that. I was like, that is a low cut dress. How old is this person supposed to be? But also I would like to own that dress. It's a cute dress. She looks great in it, but like she we've, like she's been a child and she's now been a child she's still for a teenager. Like the entire time. And then like now, yeah, we're going to put her in this very like low cut sundress. It is a weird beat. Like it is, it is a so... super weird costume choice. Exactly. Because again, and it's like they need her to be a child, but again, like she's definitely played by an actress who's not a child, and it's like weird. I don't know. Yeah, um, I hated that. That was one of my three notes that I took on this um, this movie. I took the guns don't help people, people help people note. I took the why are their teenagers boobs so revealed in the last scene note. And then my final note was why are why is Burn Notice such a coward? Why won't they give me hot Jeffrey Donovan like this movie did? Jeffrey Donovan oh, looks fucking great in his cameo. My God. <laughs> Jeffrey, Michael Weston in this movie was fascinating because like... They had to figure out what Michael Weston, the spy, was like. And he's fucking hot. I mean, he is. I mean, he really is. He's tan. He's got his scruff. He's got like a bigger beard than we've ever seen him. Yeah, no, he's got like a proper beard. But it's like scruff. No, it's like, it's like almost a beard. Like, yeah. But he's like, like it's the perfect length. No, like, he is. And like, the interesting thing about this Michael Weston. Is that like he's he seems like a little less goody two shoes. Yeah, he does. He's not so he's not stoic. And like and part of that is because Sam Axe is kind of being the Michael Weston of this movie. Sure. Like and so like in this scene basically in the scene where they're both together, like Sam is t- doing the Michael Weston role and like Michael is doing the Sam Axe role of kinda like the company guy who's like giving advice and helping out. He's kind of rough and squirrely. I liked it though. This was actually though, I will say this was a scene wherein I wish that Jeffrey Donovan wasn't directing it because oh, I yeah. want, cause I felt like I wanted him to collaborate with a director on old Michael Weston. And give it more I think, of a like, character thing. Give so it the, more of a character his thing. cameo was a surprise. They, they didn't tell anyone that he was going to have a cameo. He was announced as director, like ahead of the movie coming out, but his cameo was surpri- was, a, was a surprise. I mean, like it makes sense. I assumed someone would cameo. I wasn't that surprised. I was surprised to see him look scruffy and hot. I did enjoy that. So good. He looks so good. Like, I just, like, I can't get over how fucking hot he was in this. Like, I'm, like, Michael Weston, every once in a while, he turns it on, and it looks good, you know? And we've talked extensively about how his all-beige wardrobe does not do the man any favors. But, like, I was not expecting this. I was like... No, yeah, it's good. Who allowed you to look like this and then didn't make you look like this in every fucking episode of Burn Notice, the show that you are the lead actor in? I guess... I mean, I will say, like, Jeffrey Donovan did a good job making himself look hot. He did. Thirst Trap Jeffrey Donovan is what I am but, looking like, for out of Burn Notice. Exactly. And that makes it weird, though, because, <laughs> like, but that means that Jeffrey Donovan is a man who knows exactly what makes him hot. Oh, I, he absolutely is. Which is interesting, then, that 
he's not hot in the actual show. He's not. He's like fine looking, but like yeah, yeah. It's it's very it's a very interesting choice overall. So yeah, that's because, all I have yeah, to say. Normally, <laughs> in burn in burn notice, he's the Boy Scout. Yeah, and like but although Sam it's funny Axe, because he really isn't. Like he definitely makes bad. Like he'll he'll make compromising choices sometimes. Yeah, like, I kind of wish they'd let Sam Axe be more violent because like he's like just because he's not fee does like he's a soldier. You know, he's somebody. Who and like, definitely has if there's one thing the we know about Sam Axe is that he loves torturing people. That was the other thing is I I was like a little sad that he never took Pedro Pascal like hostage and tortured like the location of the military guys out of him or something. Like all of this his all of his violence about, feels like, very like <laughs> this movie sand like, over. Yeah, like this movie isn't interested in telling an interesting story about Sam Axe. It's telling like the most boring Boy Scouty story about Sam Axe. And again, like like I said. I would have been into it if, like, he was being an unreliable narrator. But, like, nothing about the movie gives it an indication that he is being an unreliable narrator. No. Like, and I would love that. Matt Matt Nix doesn't tell layered stories. (laughs) Matt Nix tells one story. It happens exactly like this. Here's the voiceover to give you the exposition. Exactly. And it's a shame. Because, like, you know, I would have loved to have seen a more interesting movie. Instead of the thing that we got. Is this the only TV movie that they made? Of Burn Notice? Relating yeah, to Burn Notice? So. Yeah. Sadly, no. There, sadly, I know there was were... not a Fee movie. <laughs> I would love it if there was a Fee movie. Oh my god, can you fucking imagine? Fee, while she's like the mad Irish bomber. <laughs> yes! Like, like are you kidding me? Oh my god. I would watch the shit out of that movie. So yeah, there's, there's, there's the tie-in novels and then there's Fall of Sam Axe. But yeah, that's the only sort of... Mm supplemental content that Burnettis has. God, that's so sad. Yeah. It's like, why would you focus on the two least interesting parts of Burn Notice, Michael Weston and Sam Axe? Like, yeah. give us Fiona Glen Ann. Exactly. Like, and it very much, like I said earlier, like, as a distillation of, like, the Matt Nix version of masculinity. Like, this is very much a distillation of Burn Notice like the burn notice ethos as like a moral thing this is a movie that thinks that like helping people is the most interesting thing about burn notice which like you know if that's your thing but like again i want to watch people blow things up i want to watch i want to watch characters make mistakes yeah i want people to be challenged and i want them to be challenging but yeah like overall i enjoyed this movie you know i i had a good time with it i made it an event with my fiance we had dinner and ice cream and watched the fall of Sam Axe and it was perfectly diverting evening. You know, like it wasn't good. There were moments that were enjoyable. But at the end, we weren't like, oh, God, like we weren't like checking our phones the whole time. Like, man, when is this going to be over? Like, I enjoyed the experience. Would I watch it again? No. <laughs> do oh, I no. think it was I good? Think, like, no. I remember what, like, I do remember being 30 minutes in being like, oh, my God, I'm only 30 minutes in. I Yeah, I didn't have that. But again, I was watching it with somebody. And I really do think that changes the way that I watch everything. To summarize my feelings on the fall of Sam Axe, it was fine. It was once again like a fun episode of Burn Notice, despite it having one of the most frustrating Burn Notice client tropes of all time. And it is certainly the most boring way they could have told this story. But eh, it was fine. Like the I, good guys, it was fine. Yeah, I didn't, I don't know. There was never a moment in it when I was enjoying myself. And you watched it this morning, right? Yeah. 
I watched it like literally before we like I finished watching it I peed and then we started recording like it's very fresh to me and like yeah I don't know I just like I needed something more from it and it didn't give me anything but like it did give me I will say it did give me like the mountains of Columbia and I did enjoy looking at the scenery yeah and like that I is always the best like thing movies. I can say about it <laughs> and I always like movies like this that are like you know, you're kind of being chased around a countryside. Like, I like chase movement movies because, like, inherently they can't get too stale because you have to move from place to place. Um, and I liked that. I liked that Although, Sam kid. We haven't talked about this, but I like that Sam, like, kidnapped some CIA agents when he realized that, like, they weren't going to help him get help because they're like, no, our protocol is like, we got to get the fuck out of here. And he's like, oh, no, that's not OK. And then he, like, forces them at gunpoint to fly back and ties them to the helicopter and then shoots at their head. Like, honestly, everything with the CIA guys worked for me. I thought that was a fun sequence because it was the most sort of I think it was some of the like worst things that he did, even though, again, it was in service of the good thing. I liked that he got so rough with them. Yeah, that was like the most even then like it's not at all being framed as like him making a bad choice sure but i'm not not even talking about like the morality of it like we've already discussed that at length like it's not an interesting exploration of morality but i i thought those scenes were the most fun it's not like an interesting exploration of anything well no of course not is interesting is a matt nix thing (laughs) yeah but But i I thought that it was it was i had the most fun with those scenes i will say like i mean i did enjoy those scenes but like because I kind of disagree or like have the thing about plots like this where they're being chased is that like it means that you can't tell a character story. I don't think that's true. I think and that like, it just means or that like, you have a structure for it. No, but like the thing is that like a lot of times, especially in this, like you don't like we're not getting a character story because like everyone's just sort of fan- I'm not saying that, like you can't tell a character story with a chase but it's like it's less likely it's less likely and you have to be more interested in the characters than the chase I think that's like a thing where we sort of differ and like yeah but what... I, I will en- like I like if a show or if something has a good enough structure and characters that are amusing enough that I'm not like constantly mad at them or like that I don't have a visceral reaction of disgust with <coughs> comedians um, like I'll kind of watch anything like this is something this is it's like a comfort watch thing. It's like that's why I like procedural television, because like as long as the characters are fine and the procedural structure is there, I'll I'll probably have a good time. Um, And that's how I feel about like, you know, chase structured road trip structured, you know, kind of movies. Yeah, I don't know. I wanted like a little bit more from it. And the thing that it was giving me was just it was kind of boring. It was the same old, same old. Just in Colombia, without Michael yeah. Weston or Fiona. <laughs> yeah, well, with a little bit of Michael Weston, but not in I mean, Columbia, barely. barely. Like the only but advice Jeffrey so Donovan hot, gives him though. is, you should tell the admiral that you fucked his wife. Like this yeah. is the kind of thing that absolutely is going to come out, so it better come from you. Um, and then like Sam references it later in response to something else, but like, it's the weakest fucking callback of all time. But yes, you're absolutely right. At least Michael Weston got to be fucking hot. Exactly. Well, we've been recording for an hour and 10 minutes. I'm sure there's at least 45 minutes of content in there. Do you have anything else to say? I think we can, I think we've said anything that we need to say about like the fall of Sam X. Um, <laughs> how did you feel? We alluded to this briefly, but how did you feel about the reveal of how he got the name Chuck Finley? Oh, God. 
it, it's fine. Yeah, it's like, like he saw it on a ma- like he was at, he saw it on a magazine at the CIA outpost that they briefly occupy. Um, yeah. I wish there had been a more fun story. Like honestly, like the solo reveal in Solo was fucking atrocious, but at yeah. least that like had something. You know, you know? that's like, what there was something. This movie it, it had to do like. with him. This movie feels like Solo. <laughs> it, an unnecessary prequel. Yeah. Telling the story of, like, the least interesting part of the character. Exactly. God, we watched Solo recently, too, for the first time. I had never seen it. And I knew it was going to be bad, but I thought it would at least be, like, kind of fun bad. Like, something I, a person with bad taste, could enjoy. It was not. Even I have standards higher than Solo. See me, yeah, and this felt like Solo to me. Um, <laughs> Good if for There's you. nothing else that either of us have to say about The Fall of Max. I would definitely recommend it to people who like Burn Notice, because, like, that's eh, fun. And it'll introduce yeah, no. a character that apparently appears in season five. No, totally. I think, like, if you like Burn Notice, you should watch it. But, like, if you don't like Burn Notice, you definitely shouldn't watch it. I think mm-hmm. if you're someone like me who only kind of likes Burn Notice, then maybe you shouldn't watch it. Yeah. If I could go back in time, like, if it wasn't for this podcast, I was never going to watch this without the podcast. But, like, if I could go back in time and tell my- recommend it to myself, I would not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't have any strong feelings about it one way or the other. I'm just like, yeah. yep. Yeah, I don't. That, like, that was a like, movie that happened. I don't to think me. it's bad. I think it's like decently well executed, but I also don't think anything about it is good. And I didn't super like. Again, other than the mountains themselves, I wasn't compelled by any of it. Yeah, no, it was not a compelling movie. But if you need something to zone out to, that's like pretty family friendly you know it's not overly offensive in any particular way it's just sort of a smooth brain experience it's a good mindless thing to fall asleep to anything else that we need to talk about in this episode yeah i don't think so i think that's it this thanks for listening to our first bonus episode uh next time not next week but i'm trying to try to try to space these out so you guys have something but we can also have a little bit of a break the we'll be watching two matt nicks pilots we will be watching the comedians and the the good guys to other Matt Nix pilots. Um, the good guys of which was also produced around this time because it came out in 2010. This came out in exactly. 2011. If you are considering watching them to watch along with us, maybe skip the comedians. Skip the comedians. It's not worth Especially watching. for our trans anarchist listeners. Definitely oh, yeah, don't totally. watch the comedians. <laughs> right. And I will also say in advance, you kind of have to pay to watch the good guys. And I wouldn't recommend paying money to watch the good guys. <laughs> so basically, let us recap it for you. You don't yes. need to watch it yourself. That's what we're here for. If like, yeah, you can, and then you can decide after listening to that episode if you want to watch either of those shows. 100%. Okay. Well, thanks again to Vincent E.L. for the use of our theme music. You can find more of Vince's music at Vincent el.bandcamp.com and until we talk about ugh, the comedians and eh, the good guys bye groovy <laughs>